It's Friday, June 30th, and you're listening to a special one-year anniversary edition of your Florida Daily. I'm Katrina Scales. So if you're finding this podcast for the first time, welcome. I'm glad you're here. But instead of giving you today's top headlines in the Sunshine State, I want to pull back the curtain a bit about how the show is made and revisit the biggest stories of the past year. I also have a few stories of my own to share. You know those random Florida facts at the end of each episode? Yeah, well, they take a lot of time to find and research, but some of them were so interesting to me that I decided to dig a little deeper and make entire episodes about these little known Florida history nuggets. Like the guy who created Florida's first commercial theme park. Spoiler alert, it's not Mr. Disney. And how America's most popular sports drink was developed in Gainesville. Over a period of time, they um, they, they did improve the taste of where it was palatable. And then, of course, we started winning football games. And it continues to fuel champions wherever they're found. But before we get to those, let's take a trip back in time, starting with politics. Florida held the line. When he says, you know, we're the freest state in America, is he crazy? We can win! The 2022 midterm elections, when Florida's GOP stronghold got stronger. Let's listen back to November 9th. And the people of this state have responded in record fashion. DeSantis winning 59% of the vote over Democrat Charlie Crist. Florida has been great to me my entire life. And I can't thank all of my fellow Floridians for so much for so long. Then a week later. I'm going to be making a very big announcement. Former President Trump announced his third run for president outside his Mar-a-Lago estate in Palm Beach. And then six months after that. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I'm running for president to lead our great American comeback. Another Florida man entered the race in a way we had never heard before. On the Twitter Spaces platform with CEO Elon Musk. Yeah, that was insane. Sorry. Can, are you there? Can you hear us? I think you broke the internet. I'm here. I know. I think, I think you broke the internet there. We had over half a million people in one Twitter space. And let's not forget the third Florida Republican on this list. In Miami, we didn't wait for Washington. We chose to lead. Miami mayor and cryptocurrency enthusiast Francis Suarez launched his presidential campaign earlier this month. Now to the other big Florida story of the last year, Hurricane Ian. The state of Florida is being pummeled by Hurricane Ian. Winds at 155 miles per hour. And we are currently in an ongoing disaster. This was Thursday, September 29th. You're listening to your Florida. So I recorded this episode about 12 hours after Hurricane Ian made landfall. And myself and most of our newsrooms spent the night at the station here in Orlando as Ian was moving on shore in southwest Florida. Now, the eye wall is making its way on shore at Sanibel Island, but not... And when the sun came out, we saw just shocking destruction. It's not one of the worst. It is the worst. 
That is the mayor of Fort Myers, Kevin Anderson. You'll hear from him later. Let's listen to more of that episode. I mean, because it just rapidly went up so high so quickly, it's just you had to get out of there. It made landfall as a Category 4 storm on the southern Gulf Coast near Fort Myers. As night fell, more than 2 million homes and businesses lost power and rain pushed water levels into unprecedented territory. we got a long road ahead of us. Uh, the sheriff of Lee County believes hundreds of people could be dead and says thousands more are being rescued. There are places we can't even access to to get to people to see exactly what we have. And that death toll actually ended up being much lower. Across Florida, 149 people are confirmed to have died as a direct result of Hurricane Ian. For some, still missing their loved ones every day since the storm has been difficult. You may remember some of the victims chose to ride out the storm in Lee County. And the sheriff said it took months to find their remains. 82-year-old Alanka Ness who resides on Fort Myers Beach. Then there was another missing resident, 72-year-old James Hurst. He was also found dead in January. He was last known to be on the boat named Good Girl when Hurricane Ian hit in September. His family had a hunch the body found on the boat was Hurst even before his body was identified. And as Ian moved east, the greater Orlando area was also hit just the sheer volume of rain caused rivers to crest and drainage systems to back up. And with nowhere to go, the water entered backyards and then homes. When the water started coming like crazy, I mean, in less than an hour, it was everything was flooded. The water just got to the point where we got to the knees. It's like, oh my God, start calling 911. I mean. Now it's 2023. Hurricane season is here again. So I thought this would be a good time to talk with someone who's been through several decades of hurricane seasons, and more importantly, someone who knows what it's like to prepare and recover from disaster. Fort Myers Mayor Kevin Anderson. You called Ian one of the worst storms you've you've ever seen. So take us back and describe what was different about that storm? And I'll have to correct that. It's not one of the worst. It is the worst. We look out our balcony straight down three blocks to the river. First, we saw the wind and the destruction. It was just tearing the awnings. Uh, the light globes were exploding. Things just flying all over the place. And then the water came. I started my career in Fort Myers as a police officer. I knew what our downtown was like in the early 80s. It was a ghost town after five o'clock. Now it's a very active, vibrant downtown seven days a week. And all I could think is we can't afford for downtown to go dark for us to go backwards. Tell me a little bit about what you saw after that storm. So um, I'll tell you two things that I saw. And the first one was a positive thing. And that is on the first floor of our building, is the downtown house of pizza. And, and the owner, Jason, was in his store cleaning it out. And he was open that day and had a line around the block. And by evening, you had a four hour wait for a pizza. And because I live right upstairs, I was back and forth and I interacted with the people and none of them complained. First of all, what was unbelievable 
is the eight days following Ian, we had some of the most absolutely beautiful, gorgeous weather I've ever experienced in Southwest Florida. It was unbelievable. So, you know, had it been hot and humid, maybe it would have been a little bit different. But their attitude was, we are thankful to be able to stand in line and get a hot pizza. Now, the next thing I noticed was the total devastation around the river area where all the floating docks were pulled up into downtown and the boats were piled up on top of each other on shore. And I remember doing an interview for a national uh, broadcast and I, you know, they led in with next up is the mayor of Fort Myers, whose town is underwater. And I'm like, we're not underwater. You know, Florida is a tourism state. We can't have the national media telling people that were wiped off the map. So I climbed up on one of those floating docks and I, with a big smile on my face, I said, it is an absolutely beautiful day in downtown Fort Myers. The only problem is it's three blocks from the water. It's in the middle of an intersection. And I wanted to make sure they understood, yes, it was a bad storm. It was devastating. But we, by no means, were we knocked out. And if you know, as a Floridian, we're strong, we're resilient. These storms come, they go, and we get right back up and we start building back our communities. Totally agree. Florida is extremely resilient, but I saw the same thing. It was Florida is has been annihilated. Mm-hmm. And I had friends from out of state being like, wow, are you okay? Are you still there? And I'm like, I'm in Oviedo, Florida. <laughs> what I saw the day after the hurricane, once you look past the devastation, you saw people starting to clean their homes out. You saw neighbors helping neighbors. And I can remember the first thing I said to the city manager was, Marty, we have an opportunity. And he kind of like, what? And I said, yes, we have an opportunity, number one, to demonstrate to the citizens, the residents of Fort Myers, that they have good leadership in place, leadership that's going to guide us through this devastating storm and get us back on our feet. And that's what we did. The second thing I did was I tried to handle the media and be the face of the city. And the third thing was I got out in the areas of the city most devastated by the storm. And I got out and I walked and I talked with people and I heard their stories and their needs. And I was able to relay to our our recovery team. We need this over here. Can we get some of this over there? Things like that. And then I got into our, our more underserved neighborhoods and I reassured them that they were going to be taken care of just like every other part of the city. Let's just listen to this clip of you four days after Hurricane Ian hit. Am I going to be embarrassed? No, no. This is only going to back you up on how how consistent you've been. This is uh, Margaret Brennan on Face the Nation four days after landfall. County residents weren't told to evacuate until Tuesday morning, a day after the neighboring counties. Do you think that was enough for a warning for your residents? Well, you know, uh, Margaret, warnings for hurricane season start in June. And so there's a degree of personal responsibility here. I I think the county acted appropriately. Um, The thing is that a certain percentage of people will not heed the warnings regardless. And, And I stand by that today. What I learned is that citizens need to take personal responsibility for their well-being and their safety. The 2023 hurricane season started almost a month ago. 
this is when you need to start planning. If you plan and you prepare, you don't have to panic. There is no reason why when we're threatened by a storm that the grocery stores get emptied out. You should start preparing now. Stock up the food, the toilet paper, your medications, whatever it is. If you have a generator, start stocking up on gasoline. Keep your cars filled up. Don't wait till the last minute like everyone else. People need to be better prepared. And how we get them to do so, that's the million-dollar question. And, you know, one of the things I've argued about, too, is the cone of uncertainty. To me, that implies, well, there's a chance we're going to be okay. I think we should call it the cone of certainty. If you are in the cone, you are certainly going to be affected by the weather. The most predictable thing about a hurricane is it's unpredictable. We saw that with Charlie. Category two is supposed to skirt us. And in 20 minutes, it went from a two to three to four and made a quick right turn. Luckily, with, with Ian, we had some notice. On Monday, where was everybody staged? St. Pete, Tampa area. That's where the landfall was going to be. And then slowly on Tuesday, what did it start doing? started turning toward us. By that time, it's too late to start planning. But, you know, that, that was one of the narratives, one of two narratives that the national media was trying to play that really upset me. One, we didn't call for an evacuation quick enough. The people who stayed were going to stay no matter when you called for an evacuation. You know, and I say to people, if you want to sit on your couch during a hurricane and wait for the government to come save you, shame on you. You've got to take responsibility for your own personal safety and your family's safety. And if they're saying evacuate, evacuate. Because the third point I like to make, besides the fact that hurricanes are very unpredictable, is that you can hide from the wind, but you've got to run from the water. We always talk about hurricane amnesia. Everyone forgets that we, that we do get hit. Now it's almost the complete opposite. It's almost hurricane fatigue. How do you balance the recovery and still preparations for a new season? And and it is challenging because we are still in full recovery mode. I mean, we're going to deal with this loss for years. It's going to take years to recover. But as we recover, we're going to recover better, bigger, better, stronger. And, And I could tell you, so many people were so happy to see events start happening because it got them away from that hurricane fatigue. It, it, you know, and that's why it was important for us to pick up the debris just as quickly as we could. Think about this, every time you walk out of your house, you look at your life, all your, your, your pictures, your furniture, all the things you've collected over a lifetime sitting in a pile at the side of the road. And so that's why we thought it was important to get that debris picked up quickly So psychologically, people could start moving. And when we started to have the events downtown, they were anxious to get out and get away from what they were dealing with with the hurricane. Tell us what Fort Myers looks like right now, just generally the the progress of of Southwest Florida and, and what they should really know about it. Right off the bat, our public works department had every road in the city cleared within 48 hours. Within about a week, we had power and electricity back. Within two months, a majority of the debris was picked up. Downtown was hopping. Our our business tax receipts downtown after the hurricane were through the ceiling. I mean, it was was fantastic. So 
what what people need to know is not just over only Fort Myers, but Fort Myers and Lee County, the beaches and the islands, they are coming back. Are they, they're not near 100 percent. It's going to be years before they're at 100 percent. So, uh, you know, my message to the rest of the country and the world is we are booming. You come down here and you probably won't even know a hurricane hit. You maybe could tell because it's taken a long time to get the traffic lights. You can only imagine how many traffic signals in Lee County there are. You know, you got to order, make new signs and one by one by one by one. So that takes time. Other than that, man, we are rocking and rolling. I do have just one more question. Sure. When a city like Fort Myers goes through something like this and people's homes are destroyed, like we talked about, some people rebuild, others have no choice but to move away. That can change an entire demographic of a city like Fort oh, Myers. Yes. So have you seen Fort Myers change? Is it different than what it was before, Ian? Well, we had about 300 homes that were affected by the storm that were uninhabitable, and about 50 of them were teardowns, and we see them coming back. Now, other parts of the county, along the beaches and the islands, that's where you're going to see the big change. Uh, there, there was this one story of a 1940s cottage you know, back in the 40s, they didn't build them that big. Totally wiped away by the by the storm. The land sold for over a hundred or over a million dollars. So somebody different has bought that land. Somebody with the means, obviously. The previous homeowners are probably going to build inland, further from the water, where it's not as expensive. So it's going to change the demographics. It's along the coast itself, yes, it's definitely going to change the demographics. The state has passed legislation that says whatever zoning was on the day the storm hit, that's what it is for the next two years, which means a community can't come in and say, well, this residential section was was wiped out. We can consolidate it and now make it into a, a condo. They can't do that, which I think that will help slow down the change of the demographics of those areas, but they will change. That's interesting because, yeah, I, I kind of figured this was a maybe like an investor's dream. Look at all this yeah. this wiped out trailer park. Let me build a luxury townhome community. Exactly. You know, you the, the example I gave with that cottage, uh, there's a good chance that family has owned it. It's paid off. The building, the structure itself is, is worth probably not a whole lot. But the land grew in value because of the proximity to the golf. The insurance is only going to pay them what the structure is worth, not what the land's worth. So they're probably not in a position to rebuild to the current code. So that's like you said, the investors come in, they buy the land, they have the means to build the house up to meet the most current code. As you see, the state has taken steps to try and minimize the impact it will have on communities. You know, the bottom line is regardless, hurricane season comes, take the proper steps and prepare. Heed the warnings protect yourself. A big thanks to Mayor Anderson for that interview. And now, a completely random Florida fact. Admit it, this is your favorite part of the podcast. And look, I love news. News is important, but you know what? Finding these facts is such a fun part of my job as a producer here at News 6. 
And I've learned a lot about my home state, like why Florida's capital is in Tallahassee. Answer, it was the midway point between Florida's old British colonies, Pensacola and St. Augustine, back in ye olden times. And fun fact, after State Senator Lee Weisenborn tried leading a campaign to move the Capitol to Orlando, the legislature threw down on a brand new Capitol building in Tallahassee, complete with a plaque on the first floor dedicated to Weisenborn that reads, quote, whose valiant attempt to move the Capitol to Orlando was the prime motivation for the construction of this building. Salty. You know what else is salty? The rogue wave that hit Daytona Beach in the summer of 1992. The July 4th holiday weekend was almost here and Volusia County lifeguards were preparing for the beaches to be packed. But no forecaster could predict what would happen that Friday night. That's a clip from the special episode I produced last year about the rogue wave. So I was reading these old Orlando Sentinel articles about how this 18-foot wall of water came out of nowhere and smashed into Daytona Beach and cars parked along the shore. And no one was seriously hurt, but I was curious why I'd never heard this story before. And that's when I realized that the rogue wave was overshadowed by Hurricane Andrew, which slammed into Florida about six weeks later. Another Florida fact I like is the origin of Gatorade and how it was created for athletes at the University of Florida. But most people already know that. What most don't know is how it tasted back in 1965. Here's a taste of that episode. The earliest version of the drink was a mixture of water, sodium, sugar, potassium, and phosphate. If that sounds gross, well, it was. Took one taste of it and said, this tastes like piss and poured it over his head. That was Chip Hinton. He was nice enough to chat with me last year about volunteering as a Gatorade guinea pig for inventor Dr. Robert Cade back when he was a freshman football player. You know, these random Florida facts actually inspired me to visit some, some wonderful places. Bach Tower Gardens was one of them. What you're hearing in the background right now is the giant marble singing tower, which contains a 60-bell carillon and a caroloneur who plays these intricate recitals every hour. Edward Bach, the guy who dreamed up this magical garden, immigrated to the U.S. as a child from the Netherlands and later became a successful editor and Pulitzer Prize-winning author. He was retired back in 1921 when he took a trip to the Lake Wales Ridge with his wife and was struck by the beauty of the area. So he hired the most distinguished landscape architect of the time to design a 250-acre sanctuary. I learned Edward Bach died less than a year after the park was completed and was interred in front of the tower's great brass door, along with his famous quote, make you the world a bit better or more beautiful because you have lived in it. 
which is a great transition to my final favorite random Florida fact of the past year. A town called Christmas. Out of all of the animals we use for food, even fish, the healthiest for people is the alligator. You can saute it or fry it, you can bake it, you can put it on a grill. Any way you like to prepare food, you can do that with alligator. I drove over to Christmas for this episode to learn more about the massive concrete gator on the side of East Colonial Drive named Swampy, and met Jim Green, who's been a fixture there at Jungle Adventures Animal Park for decades. The real Florida, and it's being developed, we're losing it. It's just a, a family group of employees that run it now that love the animals, that love the environment, and love sharing it with people, especially the un- misunderstood animals like the alligators. Christmas isn't just a place to get your Christmas postmark during the holidays at the post office. Christmas is a relic, a Florida without the cookie-cutter suburbs, strip malls, or golf courses. Like Jim said, it's the real Florida, and it's changing daily. Your Florida Daily is produced by News 6 WKMG in Orlando. I'm Katrina Scales. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join me for another year of Your Florida Daily.